Welcome. We are Filmmakers Cookbook, a podcast where we turn your favorite films into recipes, helping you expand your cinematic diets. This show is hosted by me, Michelangelo, and by the one, the only, the cinematic chef. That That is me. <laughs> That's my new title. I need to be announced into every room with the one, the only. Anyways, welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is another episode of Filmmakers Cookbook. I hope you enjoy. I hope everyone's doing good out there. How are you doing? hope you're enjoying uh, the start of summer, and we're going to be finishing up going through AFI's top 20 films. Today, we're on number 12. Wow, almost halfway there. This is going to be Sunset Boulevard, 1950 Sunset Boulevard. Yes, you'll read the big black headlines about Norma Desmond and this Hollywood scandal. But you'll never read the true story about the rest of us who were part of it. Me, for instance, Joe Gillis, a promising young writer from Dayton, Ohio. And Betty, that nice kid I met at a Hollywood party who knew nothing about me, but knew what she wanted. Gloria Swanson, one of the great personalities of this generation in a role that comes to an actress once in a lifetime. Rising to the heights, William Holden creates a startling portrayal. And a new star is born in Sunset Boulevard, Miss Nancy Olson. The address is 10,086 Sunset Boulevard. Yes, come out to see for yourself the film that reaches a new milestone of dramatic daring. The film that every critic says is a giant among motion pictures. Step into the dark and glamorous world of Sunset Boulevard, where faded stars and twisted dreams collide in a tale that's enchanting as it is macabre. I like it. Thanks. Directed by legendary Billy Wilder, this film noir masterpiece. A great cast. We have Gloria Swanson as Norma Desmond, a former silent film diva trapped in the shadows of her own delusions. William Holden as Joe Gillis, a struggling screenwriter who becomes entangled in Norma's web of obsession and faded glory. Get ready. We're going to be talking about Sunset Boulevard, a dark side of Hollywood. Let's get into it. I mean, I guess this movie could be seen as a horror story for filmmakers like us. It's a very straightforward film. It's This film is pretty much like if you think of Babylon and you take Brad Pitt's part of Babylon and just only go with that, then that's what this film is, but more interesting in a way. Not more interesting, but different. But they have very similar characteristics of it's about a, a famous actor who got old and lost popularity due to the speakies, the speaking movies. And then there's like this young guy who comes in and kind of gets entangled with this kind of drama of this film industry. Well, specifically, I, I think her gripe is that she grew too old and the pictures got smaller and they couldn't afford her and they also didn't really want her anymore. Like her famous line... I am big. It's the pictures that got small. <laughs> Which that's like a yeah, classic really... Billy Wilder line. Really great. Really well written. Hits like a punchline. Yeah. So this movie was directed, like I said, by Billy Wilder. And this movie also, it was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. And it won three. Best Writer, Best Art Direction, and Best Music. And again, reiterating that this is a Billy Wilder film. We actually reviewed and talked about Billy Wilder a few weeks back on Some Like It Haunt, which is a film that he would go on to make nine years after this one. This one came out in 1950. That one came out in 1959. But these films are completely different. And I'm not too familiar with Billy Wilder's work besides these two films. But like there's a complete contrast to like this one and that one. And coming from watching Some Like It Hot, which is like a comedy, it's fun, it's energetic. This one is like this 
dark, deep, noir thriller kind of film. And it's so different. And actually, there's something that I found when I was doing some research on this film is that initially he was going to make this film a comedy because he was scared that this film was going to be not taken well. The the Hollywood executives were not going to like this movie, which they didn't really like it later because they were like, hey, you backstabbed us and made this film that's saying that we're bad people, but we're the ones who fed you kind of thing. In the end of the day, it, you know, blew up and everything but it still was so different but i think it's so interesting to see that this film not as a comedy i think is if it was a comedy it wouldn't have been as impactful and maybe wouldn't have won or was been nominated for so many academy awards so chase as a fan of billy wilder because remember last time you were saying that you're a big fan of billy wilder what do you think about this one what do you think of this film and then two what do you think about this film if it was a comedy versus how it is right now one of the interesting things about the way billy wilder sets up his stories is i think they are all kind of like jokes with punchlines even if they're not designed necessarily to make you laugh, they are still set up the same way. That's where like every scene will end with like a really punchy line or with a turn that is either comedic or tragic. And I actually think even Some Like It Hot has quite a lot of tragedy about it when you actually examine it. You know, it's all of these kind of downtrodden characters getting into progressively worse situations. But then in that movie, it kind of ends sort of happy. In this movie, ultimately it's not a comedy because it doesn't end happy it ends tragically those are the two sides of billy wilder although i think he's like known for being one of the few writers that could really write almost in every genre he really likes this other director called ernst lubitsch and it was a director that inspired him the most and he even famously had this sign in his office or which had what would ernst lubitsch do written on it and so like everything every film every writing choice he ever made was inspired by this filmmaker and his quote on it is it was the elegant use of the the super joke. You had a joke and you felt satisfied, and then there was one more big joke on top of it. The joke you didn't expect. That was the Lubitsch touch. That is what I think he's always trying to go for. I guess that like extra little twist of the knife on every scene that takes it one step further and connects it a little further to the theme, if that makes any sense. There's depth to it. There's layers of flavor going on here that's maybe it's like because it's like a surprise or something, it hits you a little more. I don't know. I thought I definitely noticed that in this film too. There would be so many moments that I kind of would have to like maybe even rewatch because you just seeing it once there's just straightforward meaning and then like then there's behind those words or behind that scene there's actually like a deeper meaning there as well in terms of not even just a, a joke but i guess maybe like that idea into a premise of just writing in general i guess it's very brilliant i mean i think i mean as you I, it's, two of his films are in the top 20 films of of afi's list so i mean hey yeah i mean i think he's one of the fathers of modern cinema i mean i think you even like you think of somebody like orson wells like he he was kind of the father of modern directing I think Billy Wilder is kind of the father of modern storytelling for a film in a lot of ways. Connecting it back to this film, you could see how like a more novice writer would just be like, oh, it's it's going to be like a heist of sorts. It's this young aspiring writer who the audience is going to identify with, who's going to take advantage of this elderly uh, actress who's got lots of money, and that's how he's going to make it. And then they're going to somehow have some switch mis misfortune reversal or something. 
something in the third act. Uh, you could see that sort of script writing itself and it be a very straightforward noir film. But what is so brilliant about how this film takes place is that all of the characters are struggling with the same problem. So they're all trying to make it in Hollywood. They're trying to be famous. They're trying to be known for their craft. And you have even characters you wouldn't expect who all have a different perspective on this. Like you have the aging celebrity who made it she's in the history books of hollywood but she's already on her way out then you have the struggling screenwriter you have the young up-and-coming screenwriter and the love interest woman and then you even have some of these more interesting characters like max the butler who was a big director in the silent era like that's such an interesting character that you wouldn't think about but billy wilder would yeah, like I was thinking throughout the film, like, oh, what is this character? Because like they set him up to be like, like he's a super fan, but then mm-hmm. also a famous director that was the one who put her onto the screen and like kind of made her famous. And then he went back and is still trying to keep her famous or trying to keep her happy. Right, um, but even think a- about his overall journey. We didn't just learn that he was a director in the past. What we learned is, first thing we learned is he's just, he's kind of like a foreign butler. Then we learn, oh, she he's actually kind of a little crazy and like very into her and then we learn oh he was actually her ex-husband and then we learn that's right and then we learn later on no he's actually this like famous director from the silent era and not only a famous director he's like one of the three big directors of the silent era and he's now here as her butler and this journey is exactly the kind of like twisting thing that Billy Wilder does. It's just, it's great. I love it. I think each character, I guess the main three characters, the the writer, the butler, and the actress, all the three of them are very well written and also like well developed throughout the film. Like they all have like a really interesting journey and very interesting ending point even though you you can kind of tell what's going to happen at a certain point right like like you said like in the beginning they just kind of set it up right away hopefully like you kind of aren't too surprised but there are moments of like oh interesting i didn't think that this was going to happen like this or like it's going to go that deep and i thought it was really well well written and well produced and well directed you can tell why this is such a interesting film i think one thing i wanted to bring up actually is upon the first view of it when he first arrives in the house and it it he has like this like oh the narration of his mind that he's as he's approaching the house like oh it's an abandoned building you feel like this suspenseful terror i'm not scared but i'm just more like this anticipation of what's going to happen because you kind of know the ending right and like it almost felt like it's going to be a ghost story in a way right like it kind of is (laughs) because it's like this this like ghost kind of old actress who everyone thought died kind of thing because she just kind of fell off the face of the earth yeah it feels like it's he's going to go to a haunted mansion and he's gonna be taken over by ghosts or something like that it was interesting but it, it kind of it it kind of rides that line really finally I feel like it's it's really a interesting take on it I think ghost story is actually very apt actually I learned at the beginning the very first scene in the original edit was a scene of all of the main characters dead bodies in a morgue and they did test screenings with this where the dead body Gillis's dead body was just like talking to the audience and explaining like this horrible tale and apparently the audiences found it hilarious and that was not the reaction they wanted <laughs> and so they cut that scene but so i think a ghost story is actually very apt that is kind of what they were going for so it's interesting that you picked that up but i i think also like the original 
title was supposed to be a can of beans and it was supposed to be like a comeback story where he like failed actor was going to come back and actually have a successful comeback and still talk about those moments but i think like that test screening that you mentioned i can see how that would fit more into the comedy one i don't know it feels like kind of i don't know it depends on how like gross they make it but i can definitely see how this film could be a comedy or a ghost pick or something, but it's really interesting. Jumping right back into it, my final remarks on this are pretty much that I enjoyed this film. It was great. It was a different take of something that we've done in, in this last few episodes. It, it wasn't a comedy. It wasn't like an action adventure movie like Star Wars. I enjoyed it. It was very different from a lot of the things we did. And I really liked it from the, the cinematography to the writing, to the music, to the directing, to the acting. I really liked William Holden's acting as Joe Gillis and how like, especially Joe Gillis is, I love his his dialogue his dialogue was really fun and he's like super sarcastic and witty like a sarcastic wittiness which i really liked i enjoyed gloria swanson going back to her i think her acting was just like she nailed it on i don't know it was she was so creepy i don't know i i thought it was great though. i think she did a great job at that performance overall I think it has a very defined flavor. It has a very specific ingredient that made it to what it is. It's dynamic. It's packed full of flavor. It's a masterpiece for sure. It's one of those things that just you have to watch it if you're even remotely a fan of film. It is, you know, just it's like it's almost just a perfect film, right? Like, like it's not necessarily like. Uh, one of these films that we've seen over the last few episodes where it was kind of the originator of a type of genre of film. There's not really any other films like this, I would say. It's just a great, tragic story, and it's pretty perfectly made in every conceivable way. I I mean, like, the only gripe I have with it is I do think it uses narration too much. That's my only gripe with it. Interesting. I actually really like the narration. Mm. I thought it was, like, kind of clever i kind of liked it but i guess maybe that's just me i know that like narration in general especially in like modern day films are so overdone but i think in this film it worked it worked well i i at least to me i don't know i didn't i didn't need the extra exposition of of his personal feelings towards these random characters because i already knew i already knew he loved the one woman and that he was trying to save her it was obvious from the context clues. I think you're just you're a smart you're a smart cookie, Chase. Smart cookie, okay. Flavors. Cool. Well, that's a great way to, to put it, Chase. I think from there, there's not much more to be said except to get into the kitchen and make a dish that best represents this movie, Sunset Boulevard. So let's get to it. Chef hats on. Knives honed. Mise en place implossing. Let's get into it. We're back. We're going to be talking about the flavors of this film and making a dish that best represents it. So our flavor profile system, let's get through it. We have surprise as spicy, happy as sweet, sad as salty, fear as bitter, disgust as sour, and lastly, anger as umami or savory. All right, Chase, let's get into this. Let's get down to business. So this film, immediately how it jumps out to me, how I felt about it, is that it has a very distinct flavor. I think it's really balanced well, but I think obviously 
even with well-balanced flavors, there's a core few that jump out to me. Personally, surprise jumped out at me. However, it wasn't like a spicy, like a hot in your face burning sensation spicy. It was more of like that enroaching, suspenseful feeling of surprise. Like that, yeah, that tension. Like we said, we know how the movie ends. Show it in the beginning. And it's kind of like, how do we get to this point? So I think the spiciness is kind of more just like the little bit bits and pieces throughout the butler who's actually was her husband and also a director and also all these things. Like those little moments are like little bits of like flavors that hit your mouth. It's not really a happy film. So I think sweetness was kind of low, but I would say that it is salty. It's definitely sad. It's a sad film and a little bit of bitterness in there. You got that fear of that. That fear kind of came through. Again, not like a fear, like a scary film, not a horror film fear, but it has like that thriller-esque fearness to it. I don't know if I would say disgust. I wouldn't say I would feel more fear than I would disgust. And then the anger umami, I think there's bits of anger. But I think for me, the the two were kind of like a surprise and a sadness with maybe like anger as like a third one. And then like happy and disgust are kind of the, the bottom two. Mine is pretty similar, although we verge off in a couple of different ways. So my primary flavor is saltiness. And then my next flavor is a combination of spicy and happiness, actually. So... Oh, interesting. Yeah. I actually think there is enough happiness here to make it so... to add depth to the tragedy. And it makes it tragic because you see how good things could be if he, like, ran off with the the one girl. Or you see all these things, like, like they could be better if they just went a slightly different way. That's what makes it so tragic. And then the surprise is also like, there's so much great character surprise. Like with the butler, you learn all these weird little things about him or, you know, even our main characters, like we learn just the depths of Norma Desmond's kind of insanity. And we learn the kind of desperation of Gillis's character and how this kind of creates this toxic, tragic mess that you know, people in Hollywood go wrong when they have this toxic, tragic mess. I agree with you. There's not like a ton of fear. There's not like a ton of disgust. There's not like a ton of anger. I think I would say like primarily salty, sad and like tragic, sad. And then there's a nice balancing of that sadness with surprise and sweetness. In taking that, I kind of am tweaking my recipe, the recipe I had in my mind, but cool. So I I, I agree with you. I, I kind of am curious. I think to me, though, that happiness is very intertwined with the sadness. I think they kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But I think this, the, the sadness kind of outweighs this, the happiness for sure. You kind of have glimpses of those happiness, but I think overall, you know it's you know it's going to be a sad ending. One, two, you kind of see how all those moments are kind of dashed. I mean, I think this is a key takeaway from anyone who wants to write something that is extremely sad. You can't just write it all sad. It has to be balanced with other flavors or else you know like you'll just be eating salt like have you ever had a dish that's just too salty that's what can happen if you write something with only sadness because sadness is such a strong flavor you need a little bit of it just like salt like i think every movie needs a little bit of depth and i think depth can come from kind of sadness quite easily and so i do think you need that saltiness but you can certainly go too far with it. I agree. I think, but now I have a pitch and idea for you. Got it. Hmm, I have two. I don't know which one I should pitch first. 
but I well, have I have one. one. I do. So oh, okay. give me your worst one first, then I'll give mine, and then we can go with your best one. So the first one I wanted to pick was cacio e pepe. I don't know if you ever heard of this dish. I've heard of it, but I can't remember what it is. It's just literally means cheese and pepper. <laughs> okay. Like it's a it very so minimalistic dish, which I kind of thought of, which is because this movie is very minimalistic if you think about it, because it's it pretty much follows, for the most part, three, maybe four characters, and you're mostly in one location, except in a few scenes, the beginning and near the end in the middle like there's like a few times where it leaves that one location but for the majority of the film you're mostly in one location so i thought it was kind of basic but it's in enhanced enlightened to like another degree kakio pepe is seems like such a basic dish it's a pasta dish okay so I'll just throw that out there so it's just pasta where you you know how you, you boil water and you put the pasta in there and then you have afterwards this the water has that starchy you have like a starchy water afterwards you're pretty much using that starchy water this starchy liquid to it you add butter you add parmesan cheese and you add pepper and that like emulsifies and creates like a really creamy sauce that has punch of like seasoning hot like crushed black pepper now here's the thing i liked about it also is that it goes back to this black and white silent era kind of thing it's like a classic dish i think most pasta dishes possibly have kind of came from this dish so it's like an og dish and it's like simple but it's complicated because it needs attention to detail to be able to get it the right you have like that saltiness from the cheese and you have that spice from the the pepper the only thing is it doesn't have that sweetness so i guess this is like a dish that doesn't really have as much sweetness maybe so, you could find a cheese though that is a little sweet like that's the thing i was going to say was i wanted to table this one first and kind of see how it is because i think maybe adding some like modern day element to it because it's kind of this movie also has like this old classic which is would be kakua pepe but then you also add like a new thing to it right like this new writer this younger person that kind of adds its like newer element to it which might add like a sweetness or happiness to it right but i'm not sure exactly what that is but i think my second option my, my one i really want to pitch to you solves that issue so first let's just hear yours your your pitch and then we're going to go back to circle back to mine and then we'll 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 see out of those three which which ones we like most it is a very modern movie this movie actually speaking in fine art terms there's like pre-modern there's modern and then there's post-modern this is very modern so what i had is a seafood medley and i was thinking about the saltiness of the seafood and then how there's lots of different like flavors that you can get with different types of seafood that can range from kind of spicy to sweet and you can do like a spicy kind of sauce for certain things and you know you could maybe make like a interesting dish that way that has all of these flavors but still it's got that primary saltiness all throughout and then I also like it because it could be inspired by Joe Gillis being drowned. Yeah, I guess yeah. he gets shot, but like he starts out in the water. That's true. I do like that. That he does start in water, and it's oh no, never mind. I was gonna say it's salt water, but I don't know why it would be salt water. And also, I feel like seafood, like a seafood medley of some kind, is Are you kind of about like classy. a deep fried. I wasn't really thinking of deep fried. I was thinking more like like a classic. If you think like a nineteen fifties classic seafood medley like really high end okay because that kind of feels like this movie to me i don't know if i can imagine this sorry not that i don't imagine it but do you mean like so it's like is it like steamed is it like shrimp cocktail kind of thing or is it more of like here's like a whole fish or here's like a plate of just like like you'd have your like lobster tail and you'd have like Uh, your like little shrimp things and you maybe have like like scallops 
off to the side. Gotcha. Like a platter. Kind of like, yeah, like, like a party food. Like you have like little platters of like, here's your little, sure. here's your scallop kind of thing, right? Is that what you mean? Is that kind of like mm-hmm. along the lines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so sure. I don't get, where does, so where does like the happiness come from? Well, there are like sweet flavors you can add into that. Like you can get like fruits and other things that kind of get in, into all of that. <laughs> Like on the same plate or just like in the party, you have like your fruit salad kind of thing. There are like sweet flavors that you can infuse into these kinds of dishes. Like you can infuse things like lemons and and wine and other things like that into into a dish like this. That So it's not just straight salt. I see it. I see it. Yeah. I think you can maybe have like a little butter, right, for lobster and you have mm-hmm. like some, some lemon or something for, for salmon. I think that sounds good. <laughs> All right, give me your give me your your <laughs> second one. All right, cool. So my other one is I was thinking a risotto. Okay. I, I love risotto. I love making risotto. It's so fun to make. It's it's time consuming and it's a pain in the neck, but I, I still love it. So I'm thinking of a mushroom black truffle risotto with a balsamic vinegar drizzle on top. That oh, chef's really good. kiss right there. Yeah, I yeah. made it before and it's amazing. All right, so let me break it down for you, Chase. <laughs> so you got your, I'm going to say this wrong, so I'm sorry, Italians out there. Your arborio, I hope I'm saying that right. But it's a specific rice that's specially used, like you're supposed to use this rice for making risotto. Anyways, you got this rice. It's like a short-grained, starchy rice grain. So you put it in, you have olive oil, you throw your olive, your, your rice in there. Well, I guess you can put your... Um, you can put some other stuff in there. You can put your, your mushrooms, whatever you want, onions and stuff, right? You cut your onions, you put this stuff, you kind of cook it in this like olive oil, throw your rice in there, you kind of get it all nice and crispy, gold colored. You throw some white wine on there, you deglaze it, you have that like flavor from the wine. You slowly add a little bit of some broth, some like chicken stock to it and you cook it and it gets thick. You add a little bit more, you cook it, you add a little more, you cook it, add a little more and you keep adding and adding and adding stock until at the end, after some time has passed, it thickens up and it reveals itself to be like a porridge, yummy, delicious risotto. And at this point, dump in a bunch of cheese, mix it all in, shave off some black truffle, boom, tasty, love the truffle. And then some balsamic vinegar, some like good quality balsamic vinegar. It adds some sweetness to it, but also some of like that sourness or bitterness, that tang, yeah, that funkiness to it. But also the truffle right adds like that earthy and that mushroom adds like that earthy interesting flavor to it i think which would be kind of depth to it yeah yeah it would have like a slight like earthy bitter but it would also have like a saltiness slight like it would kind of cover a few of those flavors in there the cheese covers that saltiness to it balsamic vinegar covers that sweetness to it the spicy reducing of the broth would give you that saltiness and i really like that process because that feels kind of like how billy wilder writes his scenes is they just get like tragically worse and you know it just keeps twisting yeah yeah and so like it evolves it evolves yeah yeah i'm liking it but also i think i like how you have these this color again you have like this white rice but then you have like a balsamic vinegar and this black truffle which have like this black and white element which is again the film is black and white and it kind of goes back to that silent era of films those images kind of i think for me really called to me the only thing is the spiciness of it you do add a little salt and pepper 
but I think we could possibly make it a little bit more kind of combine the cacio pepe and kind of because it's very similar processes for these two but the only difference is for cacio pepe you're adding like a starchy water to it while this one the starch is from the rice and you're adding like a broth to it but I was thinking also you could add pepper to it you can add even a lot of pepper to it if you want and have like a really bite of like a a peppery risotto with like a earthy mushroom and black truffle and then you have like the sweetness of this balsamic and it just like boom you eat it and and it's also like kind of classy right like you would mm -hmm. feel like going to like a fancy place and having like a risotto I, I think a lot of times chefs say that if you want to become a chef the first thing you have to learn is to make a, riso a good risotto because it's like a very simple dish but it needs good technique that kind of also calls to how this film is like a simple premise almost in a way but it's so unique where it's like you, it's kind of like you have to get it right to be able to do it right and I think he does it right the combination of the cacio pepe and the risotto i think that could be cool and like a new kind of dish that i haven't i don't think anybody maybe has ever seen before so that's kind of fun cool. and i like that it combines the spicy and all the salty and all the elements that we talked about and i like that it has this kind of complex labor intensive process that like deepens the flavor because that feels very billy wilder to me so i'm i'm into it i think we have a good dish here right i think we so have... too i like this dish yeah, we have like a cacio e pepe inspired risotto with Parmesan cheese. You got mushrooms, you got black truffle in there and a balsamic vinegar sprinkled on top. Mm, I just want to eat this right now. Just like how I feel like everyone out there should go watch this film and also make this dish. I think this is also a good dish for people to make as well. I think I would love to watch this movie and eat this dish. It's a good pairing. Yeah, that's a wrap on Sunset Boulevard. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Filmmaker's Cookbook. I'm curious to hear if you think that we came up with the best dish for this movie. And if you disagree, what dish do you would you think? Do you like Chase's fish idea? Do you like just cacao pepper? Do you like something completely different? A drink? I don't know. Tell us. Tell us on Instagram, Twitter, at Film Cookbook. Or give us a review wherever you're listening to this. On Spotify, on Amazon, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to it, give us a review. Let us know what you think about this episode. But other episodes, go watch the other Billy Wilder one we did on Some Like It Hot. That's a fun one. I really like that dish. I want to make that dish tonight as well. So I think, you know, everyone out there, I hope you enjoyed listening. And we look forward to having another episode next time. And continuing this list of AFI's top 20 films. Anyways, I'll see you next time. Bye.